Hi, everyone. Sam Stern welcoming you to the CX Patterns Podcast. I am a member of LinkedIn's customer experience team, and I've spent the last 20 years working in the customer experience space. This podcast is my attempt to distill what I've learned in that time. Later in the show, I will be talking to my friend and former colleague, Elena Garvey, about why trust is such an important component for a great customer experience, why it is, in fact, the starting point for thinking about emotion in customer experience. Trust is foundational to great customer experience. Customers want it more with some types of relationships than others, banks and insurance companies, certainly, but they also need it for airlines, duh, and restaurants, obviously, and car companies. It turns out that trust is present in all flourishing human relationships. Trust matters because trust underpins or undermines everything that a brand wants to tell customers about itself. If you have trust, customers will believe what you say. If you don't, they'll give you nothing. Okay, but how do you get trust from customers? Do you earn it? Do you have it and must hold it? And what do you do when trust is threatened? That's what Elena and I talk about next. Welcome back to the CX Patterns Podcast with Sam Stern. Excited to share a pattern that I've thought a lot about, which is building trust in customer experience. And my guest is former colleague, former manager, former client, former many things, current friend, Elena Garvey. Hi, Elena. Oh my goodness, what a great intro. Hi, Sam. It's great to be here. Great to have you. Elena, you're someone who models building trust in your personal relationships and how you conduct yourself. And I know you've thought a lot about it with regards to customer experience. A little bit of background is important here. I bet our listeners know this, but just to recap, an experience has to be effective, it has to be easy, and it has to have an emotional component. And what research has shown consistently is that the emotions you associate with the experience are the biggest factor in determining whether a customer had a good memory of that experience, a good perception of it, or a not so good one. And the foundational emotion is trust. It really dictates whether a customer is going to stay loyal and expand their relationship with a company or not. And therefore, trust is the basis for whether a company can grow its revenue because it has great customer experience can increase its profit margins because it has great customer experience or not and suffer because it does not have a good customer experience. So that's why trust matters. That's why we wanted to talk about it. Elena, can I ask you to define trust? How do you think about trust as a concept? So as I was thinking about the most fundamental definition of trust, I think it comes down to believing, believing that you will come through with consistency, you'll be reliable, you'll be honest. And you'll essentially do as you promise. So it's about that consistency and knowing that you have my interests at heart. I think that last concept, knowing you have my interests at heart, this is often defined as customer advocacy. And what I think is so valuable about customer advocacy is it's something you can measure. It's something you can ask customers. Do you believe that I'm placing your interests, customer? over my interests, company. And that sounds a little naive, ignorant perhaps, that a company would ever not prioritize its own interests. But again, I want to go back to that initial concept we talked about with the value of customer experience in a business value sense. 
which is if you deliver a great customer experience, you see faster revenue growth, you see higher profit margins. And so having customers believe that you are advocating on their behalf so that they trust you means that your business growth, your business results will be there. So Elena, there's two models for trust. Can you share those with us? I think this applies in personal relationships and it also applies in customer and business interactions. And the way I think about it is as follows. In some instances, people grant trust up until a point that that trust is broken, at which moment you take the reins back and you say, ah, you've lost it. The second model is you have to earn my trust. So I don't know you. I don't know if I can trust you. But through some manifestation, you will earn the right to get my trust. And so I do think that it is something that all of us employ, depending on the situation. And it is something that companies need to be aware of and operate with a certain sense of obligation, responsibility, consistency, and focus. Because trust is not a constant. Trust is not a permanent social contract, if you will, between a customer and a brand. It is something that is constantly reevaluated and has to be invested into on both sides. I like those two models, especially because I think you can, as a brand and with certain customers or with certain types of interactions or products, you can think about, are you more likely to have the trust built in And let's say it's because you have a great brand or because you're the market leader versus let's say you're a new entrant to a category. The customers in that that market may not trust you the way they would have for a different type of product. And there are certain categories in certain industries where trust is not as guaranteed and you want to be showing it, demonstrating it from the jump. Having said that, once you commit to trying to build trust with your customers, which you should do. It means that you are now going to be working at this for the rest of your time in that relationship with that customer. Because any betrayal of that trust means that they will pull it back or means that they won't even have it with you in the first place. I think that's rather daunting when you think of it that way, Elena. And yet, trust is so valuable and so important, it's still worth doing. Yeah, absolutely. So we've talked about these two models of trust. And Elena, you've collected a few examples from pop culture of situations where characters are asking for one or the other kind of trust. And, and I'd love for you to share some of those. Well, I thought we could have a little fun with this. And okay, so there great. are a few quotes and I will prompt you to see if you can recognize which character said it or in, in what situation this came up. So the first one that came to me was the very famous, do you trust me? It was in a Disney production between two characters that are just starting out their relationships. The Disney movie and two characters starting out a a relationship, that helps. I think it's Aladdin. Uh, I do have two young daughters, so I feel like I'm cheating here a little bit. Great. I wish we had a sound effect for you. Okay, this next one illustrates one of the concepts we already talked about. This is a classic character who says, I have my own subtle little ways, but first you must trust me. Ah, interesting. That There's almost something in my own subtle little ways that makes me not want to trust this character, yeah. but yeah. I don't know it. Tell us. It is Ka, a 30-foot snake in the jungle book. A snake is going to have to work very hard, given people's models of snakes, 
to earn trust. I mean, who in the animal world trusts snakes? I'm assuming other snakes, but beyond that, that's a tough, that's a tough one. Yes. Do you have one more for us, Elena? Okay. One last one. And I'll tell you, it comes from the Lego movie and the line goes, uh, um, hey, everybody, you don't know me, but I'm on TV, so you can trust me. <laughs> that's a great example of a bad proxy for trust that someone is on TV. Great. Okay. So we see this come up in pop culture. How do you think about building trust with customers? If we, th- if we bring this to customer experience, what our listeners care about, how, do you, how would you counsel them to build trust with customers? I think trust is a fascinating concept. And I've certainly considered it in my early days in financial services. Trust was core to ensuring customers' loyalty, this concept of earning loyalty and having a customer be dedicated, trust your bank to use the product in every category of their spending, whether it's the local grocery store or an international trip that they make is really important. When you think about banks today, for example, Chase takes the number one spot, according to many different studies and data points. And trust in this space equates to largest total assets, most number of customers, most number of branches. It's a real sign of profitability, growth in a healthy business. But it's a very different definition and manifestation in other industries. And as I think about social networks and reflect on the experience that Meta or Facebook had gone through with data breaches and lack of accountability for content being promoted through the platform, it certainly eroded the loyalty and the trust of their users, of their members, and and caused a significant degradation of that brand and the performance of the company. And I think about other organizations such as LinkedIn that place real emphasis on trust and hire many professionals into different functions of the organization to look after trust, whether it's identity verification, to make sure that you're dealing with real people, real companies, that you're seeing uh, relevant ads on the platform, that the jobs that are being put up are not fake jobs. You know, it takes a lot of effort for sure, but it definitely reinforces that bond, that expectation that members, users, customers have, and the trust that they place in you looking after their interests, not just being there to run this light by night operation. Yeah, those are good examples. I think in particular, the idea of how you look after your customer's data, what you do with it, how you protect it in the social media platform space is their version of, are you looking after my money in the financial services space? Are you advocating on my behalf? Because your data is the currency of those platforms. It's a nice analogy. The other thing I wanted to highlight here, Elena, and love your thoughts on this as well, is We're talking a lot about behaviors that build trust or that maintain trust. But then there's inevitably going to be incidents where trust is threatened or lost entirely. One of my favorite positive examples of this, going back all the way to 1982, so 40 plus years ago here, the Tylenol pill scandal, where it was actually a lone actor had tampered with some Tylenol bottles to make it look like it had been Tylenol's fault. And Tylenol raced into action, took responsibility, pulled all their product from every shelf, even though this only happened in one location, as it turned out, and accepted the responsibility for fixing that. 
And Tylenol came out of that looking like a responsible company that you could trust. What I love about that example is that Tylenol actually had more trust as a result of that because of how they handled that situation. And so I do want to stress this, that as you think about your brand and you think about your customers, if you mess up, you still have a chance to rectify things by how you handle it and how you take responsibility. And so service recovery, this is where this important concept from customer experience comes in. Graceful apologies, clear communication to your customers and transparency. These are things that in a crisis situation can maintain or restore trust with your customers. That is a really great example and goes back to the earlier point you made on customer advocacy. Whether we believe it or not, companies' core objective is to do what's best for their customers, not just for what is clearly in the interests of their bottom line today. I am sure that it costs Tylenol a lot of effort, a lot of time, and many dollars to pull all of that good product off the shelves. But it was important that they acted with speed, with clear focus on what was the right thing to do and how they lived their values of looking after their customers in that moment in time. And that paid off for decades. Yeah. And I like that you talked about speed because I think that's also matching the urgency of the situation. If they'd sort of laid back and say, well, we need to figure this out and come up with a crisis plan. Well, people are dying. You need to act now to clear off the shelves and do so immediately, assure safety first, and then we'll figure out what actually happened here. That's the right way to think about it. The urgency has to match the context and the situation that you're in with customers. Elena, any final thoughts for us on trust or building trust with customers? Absolutely. I'm going to quote the former CEO of LinkedIn, Jeff Weiner, who was very famous for saying trust equals consistency over time. And I do want to add, in addition to consistency, it is about reliability. It is about honesty. It is about doing what's right. Um, clearly, as we started this episode, emotion is a core contributor to our decisions, to whether we choose to do business with, with someone, to whether we choose to stay in a relationship with another human being. And Unless we invest in that on a continuous basis and we bring that concept of authentic care for the other side, not just our own interests, the whole thing falls apart. But it is so well worth the investment. It is so well worth the consideration, the prioritization in order to build those relationships, in order to ensure your long-term uh success, your profitability as a business, it is really the underpinning of everything else that comes from it. So do it. Very well said and a call to action. Thank you, Elena. So as Elena highlighted, some customers will trust you until you prove you don't deserve their trust, while others will need you to prove that you are trustworthy. This is different for different people, but also for different contexts, different industries, different brands. If your customers like your brand, your products, your services, they are more likely to try a new product in a new category from you. That's the power of trust. But even if they trust you, there are situations that will challenge that trust. For example, what happens when you assign a new account manager to one of your customers? They may be willing to give them a chance. They won't trust them as much as their old account rep, and they'll be vigilant to see if your company is still deserving of their trust. 
In fact, that new rep has to defend and likely earn back some of the trust for your company. The big challenge with trust is that it grows slowly and can evaporate quickly. 100 good interactions might have built the relationship up into one of trust with your customer, but a single bad interaction can wipe away that goodwill. Think about that ratio. Maybe it's not fair, but it is human nature. You can probably think of a time when you, yourself, were quick to give up on a company that you had previously had a good relationship with. What should you, as someone who cares about your company's predicament with trust and your customers, do about this? It might feel like you have the CX sword of Damocles hanging over every interaction. Get this interaction wrong and it could be the last one with this customer. Well, despite the seeming inequity of the trust equation, you have to keep pushing for trust. Building trust slowly over time and nurturing it once built is the work of all great customer experience companies. It combines many of the foundational customer experience work that your team is already tackling. Trust is about transparency, which the best companies accomplish by using plain language. The clearer you can be in everything you say and communicate to customers, the more they'll have reason to conclude that any screw-ups were cases of mistakes as opposed to a peek behind the curtain. And when you do make mistakes, trust can be defended or saved with a graceful apology, a graceful service recovery, like we talked about with the Tylenol case. A timely apology reminds your customers that this one bad interaction is an anomaly rather than a new pattern for them to take note of. Humans like to be right. And so, if your timely, heartfelt apology allows them to go back to their old perception of your brand as one that they trust, that's a happy outcome for your customer. So remember, building trust with your customers is a lifelong commitment. You must show up every day, aiming to live your values, keep your promises, and correct your mistakes. Thanks for listening to the CX Patterns Podcast. If you follow me on LinkedIn, you'll see the newsletter that accompanies each podcast episode and contains all of the details and links that support the information shared during this episode. It also includes a full transcript. The newsletter is also a great way to share this episode with someone else. Do you have feedback? Well, this is a podcast about customer experience, so you know I'd love to hear from you. Connect with me on LinkedIn and share your questions, comments, and thoughts. If you want to support the podcast, share it with someone, rate it, review it, all the usual stuff. Thanks to my colleague, Emily Tomer, for creating the CX Patterns logo. And to my friends, Moon Island, for the music. That's all for now. I'll be back in two weeks with another customer experience pattern.